0: Okay, so welcome to another episode of Systemize Your Success Live. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how to cope when staff just aren't doing what they should. This came up in a coaching session with one of my elite coaching clients recently, and they reached out because a staff member basically was skipping over steps, and it wasn't just one person, it was a number of people and they asked me for their advice. How do they go about addressing this without undermining trust in the team, without pointing fingers, and to actually get the desired result, which is that they just do their work. They just do it the way you intended it. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And I'm going to be talking about, start off with quite a high level, look at this process or this problem, and then dig down into actually the steps that we take to do this in our company. And hopefully this will help you if you are struggling or have this either now or in the future. Okay, so we're going to talk about dealing with people that just aren't doing the work exactly the way you intended it. And to start this off, I want to just sort of paint the bigger picture here. For this to be a thing for you in your business, to something you actually care about, and for something that you can do something about, then you have to have this mindset that there is a set way of doing things. That's not to say there's the only one way of doing something and there's no way to improve stuff, but there's a way that your company will do things. And the reason that's important is because you need to understand that you need to standardize across every member of your team how stuff is done so that the expectations of your clients are met consistently. If you just have people winging it and basically, you know, you tell them, go and deal with that problem. You go and deal with that problem. And then you leave people to their own devices to, come up with you know that how do they actually do that, then what you end up with is different ways that things are handled and ultimately for the client the customer, for the just the the uh, production sorry, the production of the work or the the, the uh, whatever is being done, things will be different because people will do different things differently and then what also happens or the big big problem with that is you know when people leave, then that knowledge goes with them. And so they may be the be- they may have the best way of doing it, but now no one else knows how to do it because they just left the company. And so being able to address when things happen wrongly or in the wrong way, you have to have an agreement on what the right way is. And that is where, you know, I talk about this a lot, but creating your operations manuals for your tasks, creating your standard way of doing things is where this fundamentally starts. But once you believe that, and you believe there is um, value in having a standardized way of doing things, then you can address this problem about things not being done the way you expect. So you've got to put that sort of groundwork in so people know what is expected of them, and then you can identify when that's not actually happening. And so if this happens in your business, if you have you know, a a multi-step process or just something that, you know, people are just skipping over. Maybe it's something that's tedious or boring or, um, you know, it's just a bit of an annoying thing to do and people just sort of like fudge it over and don't really do it. Or in this case, it was actually that the person that was skipping it over had actually asked someone else advice and they just said, oh yeah, we don't need to do that. It's all right, you just skip that bit. Um, But ultimately what happened was that, what happened in this example was that because that initial bit of work, which is updating a CRM, because that wasn't done, then it meant that further down the line, some work that was done by someone else completely in a different department wasn't able to be done properly because this initial uh, work um, had been skipped. And so there was knock-on effects or knock-on consequences of this not being done correctly. And so when my client approached me and asked me, you know, how do I go about this? How do I actually deal with this problem? And I said, well, first off, I always say blame yourself first. And if you have that mantra in your, or mindset in, your, in, the, in the back of your mind or the way you, you approach the, the challenges like this that come up in your business and you think, okay, so what else could I as the leader of this business have done to actually improve this or this scenario to avoid this ever, ever happening? So instead of pointing the finger at the person and saying, you know, you're not doing this correctly, you know, sort yourself out, do it the way you're bloody told, you know, that sort of thing, you know have a think about, okay, so what else could they have had in their their arsenal of tools? What else guidance could they have? How could the system have been improved to actually mean that there was a much higher chance of this being done right? And that is really the fundamental Um, mindset about this. And I got this, this, this concept or this idea of stop blaming people, stop blaming systems. When I worked in a hospital, I worked in a um, a busy hospital in North of England, and I led a committee called the Lessons Learned Committee. And in that, we uh, basically looked at patient safety incidents when patients have been harmed or been, um, or worse. um, And what went wrong? How could the system be improved to mean that doesn't happen again? Because in busy hospitals, the staff change all the time. Simply blaming one person isn't going to help the process going forward. It's not going to stop it happening again. So we had this, what we were drilled into it, was this mindset of you never blame the person because the person's going to change. What doesn't change or what can, what can change in an improved way and in a permanent way is the system. And it could be that your hiring system is broken, so the wrong person is getting into your company. It could be that your promotion system is broken, so you're promoting people into roles they can't actually manage, or that you're putting people into areas of the business where they're not in their zone of genius, so they're not be able not be able to do the work, you know, beyond the is the beyond their competence level. So there's lots of things around the HR side of systems, but fundamentally, if you can create a if you've got if you've got those bits right, so I should say. So if you've got the right person in the right seat, but it's just actually a case of, you know, this this work is not being done correctly, then we can look at the more granular at the actual system of doing the work and how can that be improved? So if we can fix that, then the likelihood of this going wrong in the future is reduced, not only for this one person, but also for any person coming into this role in the future. And that is the key to making lasting change in your business, to changing behavior on a on a scale that goes beyond an individual. So the first point is you don't point the finger at and blame the person. It may be, maybe that the person is just total you know, negligent and the wrong person for your company, and you find they have the wrong set of values, they have no integrity, and actually the outcome of this could be that you fire them simply based on the fact they've got the wrong values, the wrong behavioural, the the wrong attitude. And that is something that's sort of almost beyond this. What we're trying to do here is say, look, we're going to assume this person is half decent. They've got a good set of integrity. They do take care and pride in their work. It's just that they're not doing this one thing. And let's fix that problem because it is something that happens all the time. So it's not something that's unique to this. One example that I... um, discussed with my client. I'm talking about this because it happens in our business all the time. It happens in lots of our clients' businesses. And I thought this would help them. It would help you to actually go through this in a bit of a process. So what we want to do is to think about, okay, so let's look at this process that's happening in our business. Is anybody doing it right? So if we can identify the person that's doing this the best, they are the behavior or that behavior they're doing that we want to emulate that. We want to copy that and then get everybody in the company to do it that way. Because we've identified that they're doing it the best way. They're doing it 100% of the time. Um, and I've got a great example of this in my team. I won't mention names in case uh, people listen to this, but I've got one person in on my team who's militant, like really, really militant about her task board management. She's just set such a good example. And I am able to use that as a, uh, as a uh, benchmark and say, this is the level I want everyone and everyone else in my company to adhere to. So how do I then get other people who maybe aren't quite at that level to bring them up. The way I do that and the way you address any system like this or any problem like this where you have a, a difference in the way people are working is you need to create a documented systemized version of the best by copying or by, by documenting what the best person is doing and then roll it out across your team. So that's the easiest way. So if you've got somebody that is doing this right and you've got some other people that aren't, then get or base the system around the person that's doing it right. And that then allows that person that they're the knowledgeable worker in this role, the expert in this role who's doing it the best. And they can then be the lead in actually creating a system that prevents this going wrong in the future. As I said before, it's important to blame yourself first and not point fingers. So we're looking at the systems here rather than the staff. Um. And actually, if, if if you have any uh, comeback to that, so to speak, you listen to this thinking, oh, you know, well, some people are just, you know, um, you know, maybe it isn't the system. Well, if you look at it this way, that I believe the systems in your business, the way things are done, are a true reflection on your leadership. So if things aren't happening the way you intended to, then I think it's actually us as leaders that are to blame because we control what we systemize in the business. We control where we put resources. And if we don't put enough resources into actually documentation, systemization and all the rest of it, then we can't blame anyone but ourselves when things don't go the way we intended them. So if you put more mindset, and I talked about this, about having your sense your of attention, your reticular activating system for a medical term. If you have that focus on improvement of your systems on a on a uh, long-term basis, it becomes something that just happens naturally in the back of your mind without your subconscious, without even thinking about it. So you've got to do that. You've got to just get that mindset shift that it's all about systems. So um, if you take ownership of this being your problem, your leadership problem, and not the problem of the person, that's the first step. But then you have to expect change. It's not all on you. You can only take so far, you can take a, a horse to water, I think the expression is, you know, but you can't make them drink it. And the same with the goes with this, you can do all the steps possible to make the perfect system. You can put the resources into it. You can put your own you know, time and your own energy into doing this and improving this and making sure it's done to a high standard. But ultimately, you're still going to be relying on people to use the guides and the systems you create. So there is a bit of you know, it's it's not 50-50. I think there is a bigger, higher emphasis. And as you probably guessed, I believe the systems are the key, uh, as I've said about 50 times already. But the, um, there's still a element of, yeah, of course, you've got to actually at some point hold people accountable. And I'll come to that in a second. So that's the the why. That's the overview. That's the, the mindset shift about this whole thing, about putting it into a context of Blaming yourself first, blaming your systems, and having a systems improvement culture, a culture of system improvement in your business, and seeing that as the way to get long-term, lasting behavioral change um, from your whole team and your whole organization. So now let's look at how you actually do this on a really practical level. And I've talked about emulating somebody um, who you know is doing it right as as an example of how you can actually use an existing member of your team to help you create these systems. But let's just look about actually really practically how you do this in a step-by-step fashion. And so this is going to, a lot of this space around the, our methodology, which was using our, our didact method for delegation, and and it hinges on this document. This is our operations systems. It's our, you know, another name, operations, manuals, um, standard operating procedures, or SAPs, or whatever you want to call them. We call them our operations systems, and they all focus on our didact method. And I'll share in the uh, show notes for this episode, the, the didact framework. So you can actually get that and work, use that in your business. It's a, it's a small but very fundamental part of our coaching programs. And it's really what all of our delegation is built on. So there's a key a few key elements in this um, that that are used in this process of improvement of systems in order to get people to be comply or to uh, actually do the work the way you intended. So just if you're not aware, if you've not heard me talk about it before, DIDACT is an acronym and it's a you know it's to remind us of the six things that every single operation system or operation manual has to complain, contain in order for us to be able to delegate work effectively and for someone to know what they're gonna do, how they're gonna do it, when they're gonna do it, how they're gonna deliver it, and how long it's gonna take. And so Didact stands for the description of the task, the intent the, the sorry, the description of the task, the inputs, the deliverables, the access. Um, the uh, checks and time. And with those six elements, you basically cover everything. And I've covered this in detail in other episodes. So you'll have to go and find uh, in the earlier episodes, I'd covered this and went through every single step. So go and dig out those episodes uh, about the method if you want to know that in more detail. But the key parts of it for for this particular uh, scenario that we're talking about are, first off, the description And when you're describing a task, so when you're writing your just headline, what is this task about? What are you going to do? So say, for example, we were, um, this task is about Updating a CRM with new client information. So this could be part of, you know, for sales pipeline. I so say if you've got a salesperson and they're out there, you know, speaking to clients or customers, or on the phone taking sales calls, and they don't then update the notes of their call, the outcomes. Um, maybe you know, if you're doing um, research on a client, or well, maybe just speaking to a client and find out what their challenges are, what their pains are, you know, what their goals are. So next time you speak to that person in the future, then you've got some um, information to actually build. Your, your conversation on. If, if that's not put into the CRM, then you're basically starting from scratch again. If it, even, even if it's the same person, my memory's so, so bad that if I don't write everything down and put it somewhere I can find it easily, then the next time I have, speak to somebody, I have no idea what I said previously. So I'm very conscious of doing this. I'm, I'm not saying I'm the best at doing it and I could definitely, uh, I could definitely improve on, on my note-taking, but it's that sort of thing we're talking about. Let's use this example. You're updating a CRM after a sales sales phone call. So, what you're doing exactly does that? Why are you doing it? Now, this is the key, and this is what so many people miss out when they're writing operation manuals. They make them so transactional. They make them so 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 um, non-human, for a better way of saying it. Is that people? You know, you tell someone to do something, and they may or may not do it. But you tell someone why they're doing it. What are the consequences of it being done right? What could the consequences be for them and their career if they do it right every time? What are the consequences of it being done wrong, though? So in this example, we could say you're going to update all the details of the call. You're going to update the call recording, maybe. You're going to um, make notes and put the phone number on there and the email. Whatever it is, you're going to update our um, deal pipeline or our CRM with this information after the sales call. Why are you going to do it? Because if if you do this, it means next time we speak to that person, we've got a far higher chance of actually bringing them on as a new client because... We'll come over to the, over like we actually cared. We listened to what they were saying. They were actually starting the conversation off where we left off last time, not starting from scratch all over again. We'll remember key points about what they talked about. Maybe they talked about a holiday they were going on, and that's why they couldn't make a decision then. So we asked them about their holiday. Maybe they mentioned their kids. We could ask them about their kids. If you put all the information in, it's going to make that sales process so, so much more natural and um, enjoyable for the, for, the, for the client, potential client, and then a higher chance of succeeding. Then conversely, if you don't, that was quite a long wind at just playing this out for the point of this uh, this example, but you, know, you hopefully get the picture of what we're talking about. The, the why is the reason this needs to be done, not the what. And so the why also incorporates what um, what, what are the consequences if this is not done right. So if you do not do this, if you do not update the CRM with the with potential client's information, then we are basically starting from scratch. We will sound and appear like we don't care. We don't listen and we don't remember. And the chance of us actually closing that sale will be significantly reduced. So there's going to be a significant cost to the company going forward. Suddenly, updating the CRM with some details, you're now drilling into this person the absolute necessity for this at a level which they cannot argue with. And you may think this is an overkill for a lot of tasks, but if you're having a task that isn't being done correctly, that is being skipped, then go back to your didact, go back to your description and look, have you included not only the description of what you're going to do, but also why you're doing it with the consequences of it done right and the consequences of being done wrong? Because if you haven't, try it, put that in, and then I'll talk about in a minute about actually going back to the person to explain the changes you've made and then see if things have improved as a direct result of doing that. I guarantee you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. Well, I can't guarantee it, but I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It works for us anyway. So the next part that we need to look at is the deliverable. So the, D, the second D in didact. And here is about making sure that within the steps of this task. There is a deliverable, a product or an outcome of this task where you are actually getting them to have some proof this is being done. Now, you don't have to do this every single small task in the business, but it's a really useful exercise. And it came up today, actually, I was chatting to one of my uh, uh, clients about doing some pipeline, process pipeline development. And um, one of them, I was showing her about um, on our task boards, uh, we have a daily task basic for our staff to clear their inboxes, their email inboxes. And so, what I showed her was on this was a screenshot every single day by my staff member. And she screenshot her empty um, inbox. So, it gave us like a quick reference, a quick proof that work has been done that day. Because there's nothing else, there's no other product of it. It's like emptying an inbox isn't really something they can go, hey, look, here is my empty inbox. Well, they can by showing you a screenshot, but there's not a thing that they're going to produce. It's not like them drawing, uh, giving you a uh, a bit of script that they've written, or they're doing some graphic design for you, and the, and the outcome of the deliverable of the task is the thing that they created. It's more of a absence of work in this case. You know, clearing your inbox is like the absence of something is the product of the task. So the screenshot idea is a really powerful way. So if you find that a task is not being done, then actually asking as part of the the checklist of this task for them to paste evidence of it not being of it being done will then drastically improve the chance of it actually getting done. It sounds crazy, but it seems to work in that because you're, previously you were just saying, oh, just go and do that. But now a part of that is to actually prove it's being done. Very quick and simple to do. Screenshot, bang, take two seconds with a, you know, a keyboard shortcut. Take a screenshot, click the paste link, link in. We use Screencast-O-Matic for this. You could use something else. And it just it literally it's a three-second job and it's done. And then that gives us an audit trail of things aren't done. If there's a problem in the future, we can say, oh, yeah, you did this every single day. It's not your fault. Um, But it's also the point of it in this situation is it just makes people actually do it. It's that simple. You can't hide from the fact there's no point in taking a screenshot of the work that hasn't been done. That would be just stupid. So they're going to do it because they need to prove that it's been done and put it in there. And so it's not about proof in the way that you're... Well, I guess it is in a roundabout way. I'm not saying you, you, you go out there saying, um, I don't believe you're, you're going to do that. I don't believe you're cheating us. Uh, in this case, what we're talking about here in this example, just to put it into context, this wasn't somebody saying they had done something that they hadn't. It wasn't someone lying. That's a different scenario altogether. That's disciplinary stuff. This was somebody just not doing it. They just didn't see the need to do it or the, the why, the reason why, and so it wasn't done. So adding this deliverable, just showing it's being done is a really powerful way to actually overcome that. Now, the next step is the checks. So didact C is our checks. And this is an a area on our operation system that allows us to note down everything that goes wrong in order to bring it to the attention of the person doing it. And the people in, and future people doing this, so the chances of that thing going wrong again are far reduced because it's actually explicitly stated that you need to check this. So in this example, the check could be um, that you uh, ensure that the the name, the date of birth, oh, sorry, the name, the phone number, the uh, outcome of the call, the whatever, the key information, ensure this updates on the correct record. That's the check. Like. You can't go right. Like you've got it in the checklist. It's like you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going, to do this you're going to do this. Whatever. You've got a video showing how it's been done. But this is gonna. This is just making it more explicit. That this is this is like the thing in this task that has to be done right. Because it may be a part of a multi multi step task or maybe you know a, a more complex. But this is the one thing that you cannot miss. Like for example, adding the email and the name of the person and the phone number. Like you can't miss that. So you put it in the check. So whatever it is that's being done wrong, add it to your checks. And at some point, you may improve the training overall, improve it, so you can remove it from the checks, and it just becomes you know, another part of the process. But it's a really powerful way to bring problem areas to the attention of the person doing it. So you've now dated your description, your deliverables, and your checks. And these are your three big things that basically mean this person, like looking, or oh, the next person to do this, if they read this didact, if they read this information, there's no... There's no um, ambiguity about this. There's no way that they can say they didn't understand what was expected of them. And there's no way they can say they didn't understand how important it was to get this done because it is just there in plain black and white. And then once you've done that, you've made those changes, you then take ownership because you realize, and we're going back to what I was talking about at the beginning, you realize your system could have been improved. It wasn't perfect, there were things that weren't weren't so clear. And so by doing this, you've now actually sort of convinced yourself or shown yourself that yes, actually the system was to blame potentially. And so what you now do is rather than saying, again, pointing the finger, you take ownership, be the bigger person in this scenario and say, Hey everyone, look, we've made some significant changes because this is a problem we see all happening frequently. So we've improved the system. We've made it absolutely crystal clear. We've updated the, the the description. We've updated the checks, and we've updated the deliverables. Please, can you all review that? Can you all acknowledge? And we just, we often do this by um, pinging a message into Slack with a link to a task template in our operation uh, our task management system, or it could be just a task that's assigned to people. Can you please acknowledge this to say that you've read this and you understand and you're happy and, and this makes sense? And ask for their feedback if you want to get ownership or. Uh, um, uh, yeah, get, get them involved in it is say really appreciate your feedback is it now clear what needs to be done is there anything you could you could add to improve this further because this is so important we've got to make sure it's done right so now you're trying to get buy-in from them to actually be a part of this process and you could do that even early get them to suggest it from the beginning if you want to yeah, get advanced about this stuff, you actually push it back to the person initially. And I talked about this in the, the feedback model and on another episode as well. If you if you have this for now, you can actually push it back to the other person or the person who made the error to come up with these scenarios, these these um, improvements. But we're sort of like skipping that now and this is just going in for the kill. And so, um, yeah, so you're basically trying to get people to, to, to not only to acknowledge that they've read it, they understood it, but also get involved in the in process improvement because that is how you're going to fix this, permanently, these, these kinds of problems permanently. It's actually getting people into the mindset of, of continual process development and continual improvement in your business. Um, and then so you can also use this as an opportunity to flag up that as the owner of a task, as in the person that's doing the task on a daily basis, they're responsible for flagging stuff up when things aren't working. So if somebody is skipping over a step, there's no, you, you can't just do that. Like you've, got to have, you've got to explain to people that's not acceptable. So if you think it doesn't need to be done, then let's address that and say, look, okay, if it really doesn't need to be done, we need to remove it from the system entirely or put very clear advice as to when it does and doesn't need to be done. Because then you've got a system that works and it's not down to subjective choice of whether something's done or not. So you, so if people are skipping stuff, you can use this opportunity to say, look, if this happens again, there needs to be conversation about this. We need to make a decision. And so this is, again, a great opportunity to try to build people their mindset about continual improvement. Cool. So that's step two. So taking basically ownership of the problem. Step three is about discussing the sharpen process. And again, this is one of our core aspects of our training It's the sharpen process. And this is a typically a monthly uh, chat, uh, no, month, monthly chat. This is a typically a monthly activity where we ask our staff to look at the tasks I've been doing over that previous month and to identify one or two tasks, which they feel that could be improved either to speed up the process, to make their work less tedious, to just improve efficiency, and then to come up with suggestions of how that could be done. And this is a really powerful way to, again, get people into this, uh, mindset of improvement. Um, and then step four: once you roll this out, you've you've invited them into the conversation, you've asked them to sort of, um, well not sort to to acknowledge that they understand this importance of this and to, that they're going to do it going forward. You've got to then hand over and let them let them do it. And if improvements aren't forthcoming, if people still make the same mistakes or still skip out the same stuff or whatever the problem was that you've identified in this, then give feedback using our feedback model. Ask for their improvement. If it's still not forthcoming, then give the chance for actual, some form of uh, education and improvement. And if it still ain't forthcoming, if it still aren't actually getting it and understanding this, once you've reviewed your systems again, one last time, just to make sure it isn't you, then that's probably the time that this person needs to leave because they are obviously not a good fit for your business, because you have decided, you've made that decision that your business is going to be run in a standardized way. It's going to be systemized. And if your team isn't on board with that, like after trying to get them through this process and trying to get them on board, but they really aren't, and they're pushing back, and they're refusing to do stuff and refusing to to actually uh, adhere to the to the guidelines that you've created, then they are a rogue in your business, and they will they're a liability because you won't know how the work is being done or if it's being done, and ultimately that may be okay for a while, but at some point it's probably going to come back to bite you. Especially because they're not documenting their best practices. And so no one else is learning from them. So they are just a rogue on their own. And um, yeah, not what I would want in my business. Cool. So that's it for today. So today we talked about how to basically deal with people not doing stuff, how to realize that this is actually a problem from leadership. And the problem from leadership is the reflection of your leadership in the systems that your staff create and use every day. And if they aren't great, then you have to blame them first before pointing the finger at individuals. And even if you if you do feel like pointing the finger at individuals, I would always go back to your systems first, make sure they are crystal clear, and then after you've done that, roll out the changes, make everybody aware, make them acknowledge other changes, and then track their performance going forward. If they don't improve despite you know numerous uh, attempts to make this right, then ultimately they are not the right fit for your business, and off they should go. Cool. Thank you very much, Dean. If you found this episode insightful, interesting, or just damn good entertainment, then please do give me a review on your favorite podcast app. I absolutely love hearing uh, when I or reading the reviews I get. I hit those five stars if you think this was fantastic. Uh, again, it helps us with our reach massively, helps us reach more people and do more good in the world. And we're on a mission to help 10,000 small business owners succeed in a world where the majority fail. And in doing so, create 100,000 lasting careers for people who really deserve them. So if you want to help us in that journey, then please do leave us a review, share this with your friends and families, tell everybody about what we're trying to achieve here on Systemize Your Success. And uh, come and join in the fun uh, check out our website and get on our communities. Thank you very much. I will look forward to seeing you next time or speaking to you next time. And remember that in the show notes, I will be putting a link to our Didact model so you can get that simply by clicking that link. It's totally free and it will make a huge, huge difference the way you delegate the efficiency of the work you get done, the amount of work you can get done without your involvement, the reduction in the amount of feedback you have to give people and the reduction in the number of questions that pepper you every single day, all from this one flagship framework that I believe is is um, the answer to so, so many problems in business. And uh, it's my pleasure to give it to you just for being a loyal listener to our podcast. So thank you very much. I'll see you next time. This